Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to a Count Out Podcast. to another edition of the stardom road podcast here on the Countout podcast network i'm your host as always scott edwards and with me today is the same co-host as always trent brewer trent how are you you are finding new and wonderful ways to make the announcement of me being here yet again so disappointing like it's like oh yeah yeah it's it's shock horror it's this fella again um it's good to be here it is good to be back for another episode uh, talking about the history of stardom. Uh, right now we're in the middle of the five-star Grand Prix, so I'm always very excited to talk stardom when that's happening. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a really good time. Uh, stardom just continues to hit home runs, continues to kill it. Not really a big shock. Um, but I'm really excited for this episode because it is a good timely one at that you know some people may have read the title and saw why would they do that the title timely have they announced the return of the belt well the timely reason is because the international flair of stardom has kicked back into gear Mm. and that of course is in thanks to the strong women's championship which was introduced earlier this year in 2023 kind of out of nowhere um, we have all titled it the Mercedes Monet belt, even though she's never held the <laughs> belt, which is pretty funny, right? Because it's now become stardom's belt to play with. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, it's it a went... new Japan belt that is uh, held by a stardom wrestler being defended on stardom shows. Uh, and the person it was designed for <coughs> might end up wrestling with them again. We don't know. Maybe. Yeah. It's like, I don't like, here's the thing about, the belt. I don't know if Mercedes will ever actually hold it now. You know, like I think did she even touch it. Like when she was in that match, did she get a no, chance to at least put a no. hand on it? No, I think she'll wrestle at least once for it. But I don't know if she's ever going to touch it. But the point is that Julia, of course, has been taking the title worldwide and internationally. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to the SWA Undisputed World Women's Championship, a title created for the international aspect of stardom. Uh, it, 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 it's currently collecting dust somewhere, which, you know, there is a discussion to be had on the importance of the belt. Mm. And I think there's a, I think there is a belt that is needed in stardom that isn't necessarily what the SWA was set out to do. So that's kind of what we're going to dive into here. Tell you what the SWA was set out to do. Talk a little bit about the reigns and the history of it, uh, in a 
one episode thing. We didn't need to go into the history because, listen, I could probably just rehearse to you like most of Shuri's reign with the belt. If that makes you feel better, <laughs> uh, that's really the reign all anyone should go back and watch, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's dive in, shall we? Yeah. So, like, when we're talking about the SWA belt, you kind of have to go back to way back to 2016, before you were watching Scott, and before I was really watching too. This is a belt that's been in stardom ever since I was starting to regularly watch the program, um, and it's kind of interesting to look at the history because the belt exists for a very specific reason, and very much like the New Japan Never Championships that came about, that reason dissipated pretty much straight away. It was designed back in 2016 as part of a Stardom World Association. That's what the SWA stands for, um, although you will sometimes also see it references just the Stardom World Alliance, and it consisted of five different promotions. You obviously had World Wonder Ring Stardom, which was a Japanese promotion, Women's Wrestling Stars from Mexico, British Empire Wrestling, in Britain, uh, Revolution Championship Wrestling in Spain, which I think is probably better known at the moment, not for stardom wrestlers, but uh, Miu Yamashita making her appearances there quite a bit. And finally, ABC Catch Wrestling in France. They came together as part of Stardom's European Tour in 2016 to have a one-night, nine-woman tournament to determine the first ever SWA champion. Uh, wrestlers from around the globe represented by the different promotions. In the end, it came down to Tony Storm and Io Shirai. Io Shirai won, um, so a bit of an all-stardom final there. Uh, and that's kind of where it began. And the SWA belt is unique in two aspects for stardom. The first is obviously the design. It doesn't have the star shape that all of the stardom-associated belts have. Um, and the other thing, of course, which is maybe the most, the main, uh, main topic surrounding this uh, championship and discussing how it should be used is that the challenger for the championship must be of a different nationality as the champion, which if you're watching in 2020, uh, you know, that became rather problematic. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I, when I talk, when I think about the like SWA, and this is to, not to go off topic, but when I think about the SWA, <laughs> I think of where it probably would have gone. You know, had mm-hmm. certain certain title holders had it, didn't have it, um, but. When you break down kind of like the Stardom World Association members, right? I would like to know what that would look like now. Yeah. It's you a know? very interesting situation. And like, unfortunately, I wasn't Which watching... is the best comparison to Strong, I think. Right? Yeah. Because yeah. if rumors are to be believed, we might have CMLL at our disposal with a... Per- possible stephanie fuck care mm-hmm. you know you have america so america could be uh, aw willow was the damn champion so there yeah. you go yeah um the uk aspect stardom hasn't really hit the uk as well outside of mariah may obviously but mm-hmm. like you know I, I think there's that's like the connection you know as you review and go through it that really jumps out to me the most is like what would that be now yeah, because yeah. again, the title had to be so at home, especially 
over the over its last couple of years before it unaffectedly, unofficially uh, got got put to rest. <laughs> it, it got laid down and uh, forgotten about, uh, which you know again we'll discuss the decision there and you know it, sort of towards the end of the episode. Not um, to take us off track, I just like oh yeah, yeah. I, I had that in my brain. I was like oh. Well, it is worth mentioning because, yeah, you're right, CMML, you've got a couple of American promotions which stardom have, you know, even if it's Impact or Ring of Honor or stuff where even if they're not a full-fledged We Are a Stardom World Association member, they can work together and have, like, you know, the champion doing tours where they're going to these different promotions and defending the belt. It's one of those ideas that I think was great in theory and certain promotions, I think, got more behind the alliance aspect and others uh like the british empire wrestling they to me were the main group that kind of kept things going outside of stardom they ran several events which aren't up on stardom world now but they did have several events which for a time were available on stardom world to watch they ran special stardom world alliance shows which were designed to be taped and then broadcast elsewhere and you could bring in champ the champion and defend on those shows um but the some of the other promotions just kind of almost feel like they were there just in name and i think Mm -hmm. the best way to advertise this is to look at where the belt was actually defended you know this is a swa belt there's swa alliance groups but only two of the actual companies got the belt defended in their promotion and one of them was rcw running the initial tournament uh, the only other group was british empire wrestling which held two championship matches one with eo shirai defending on the same tour as that european show it was the next night and then the next year tony storm was the champion defending against jetta the other promotions didn't get the belt defended at all um, which is in part probably because of the champions at the time. It was Eo Shirai, then Tony Storm. Um, but it does sort of beg the question of what was the initial imagination of this group? Where were they planning to go with it? And I don't think it's something we'll ever truly know unless Rossi uh, writes a tell-all book about it or something. Um, but it is interesting comparing the SWA belt and what it was designed for in this group of promotions to if they did the same thing with the New Japan Strong belt now in 2023. I, I, I like that, and this is like RCW still does have a Joshi focus. Now, mm-hmm. they don't use or focus. When they run, <laughs> you know, they don't run all that much, but they do. They have over the past year brought in Joshi wrestlers. I believe both Takumi Roja and Miyamasha have both competed over there. So that aspect to me, you know, going back into history, it's like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, they are still trying to do that. But the fact that they got to, you know, be the ones to have this tournament, like, you get the point. Like the match to decide the first, you know, the first champion is like, you think about it now, it's, it's like that happened there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the, and I'm going to go back to this a lot as we talk about like, but like the idea of the SWA was a good one because it was a way to, branch out and hopefully make fans of stardom because imagine imagine being at the rcw show right what a unique experience and like now you see them become what they have and the wrestlers who competed for the title what they've 
went on to be. It's just, I don't know. It's so interesting. It's, it's so, it's so exciting to me. Like the idea of it, even mm. though, again, you know, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But it's interesting, like, to look at this now in 2023, like this group of promotions kind of banding together to yeah. do this kind of thing. Mm. 2023 is a great year to compare it to because there are so many promotions now linking up with others. You know, sure. for years, everyone kind of stayed in their own little box. And this is stardom and we're talking about New Japan and other promotions as well. But the past year or so, everyone's kind of open door policy. Like, if we can do business, if we can make something work, there's potential here. New Japan running with Noah, stardom being part of, like, the Assemble shows and bringing in all these different promotions, the New Blood events, AEW running Forbidden Door. Like, there is this kind of co cohesion amongst a lot of promotions worldwide now. Yeah. That is kind of the next step of what I think SWA was maybe envisioning to be. It just mm -hmm. never really got off the ground there. And yeah. it could be partly because stardom was just in a much stronger spot than all these other promotions. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, it's it was literally entitled the Stardom World Association. So you know right off the bat which promotion is number one here and which one is dictating things. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a perfect way to say it, but it is, it is good timing, you know, because all these companies are working together now. Um, and as much as, you know, maybe some people like to act like star wrestlers are going to be on their shows, you know, <laughs> that's besides the point. Uh, but it is like, <laughs> I, I, I can't even make a comparison to this because mm -hmm. like stardom is so far ahead of, uh, I don't even know what these promotions are outside of, uh, no, no, never mind. They're just, all still active, um, except to varying for RCW, degrees. I do know RCW, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, that was the one thing I was curious about, especially like ABC Catch Wrestling in France. I wasn't sure if that was still a thing. It is. It doesn't look like it's purely a women's wrestling promotion at the moment, but all of these promotions are still running shows to some extent. It's just they're not connected with Stardom like they may have been in 2016. Yeah, and I think what Stardom does now is they, they're better at finding their own talent mm. to bring in, rather and when talking about the SWA, it's hard to compare to now because again, it doesn't exist, and that's why we're kind of using the strong to do it. Mm. And the strong to me is what is the perfect version of the SWA. And what I mean by that is the rules on the SWA really did hurt the belt. Yeah. Um, because I think one the belt's beautiful. Love the belt. I, I think it's one of the best belts in wrestling. That's Agreed. why part that's like why part of the reason the belt not existing is like very upsetting. I think most um, people want the championship to come back for no other reason, but it's a really nice looking belt. But exactly. And and that's like that's why I wanted to talk about this because I think that is part of the SWA fit now as opposed to then. Hmm. Um, but, you know, if this was ever to happen again, which I don't think it is, there would be a lot better companies yes. in the conversation. You know, because stardom since 2016 is just so much bigger. They weren't owned by Bushy Road either. So, you know, <laughs> that's, a big, that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, uh, 2016 was kind of... I think that was kind of where they were really starting to 
make their strides. The threedom yeah. had been well and truly established by this point. You had Tony Storm coming in. You had a lot of the young up-and-coming talent that people recognise now just starting to find their footing through 2016. So it was a mm-hmm. it was a good year for stardom, but it was still a growing year for stardom compared to the pre-Bushy Road heights they would get to. Yeah, well said. And I do think Tony was such a important obviously she ended up being an important part of this title Mm. but this idea doesn't work if you don't have a tony storm you know yeah she she was the best example of what the swa belt was meant to be because a she you know she holds all the records she has the most defenses at 15 she has a 600 plus day reign which is far and away the the longest reign with the title but beyond that pardon my, you could have had it. <laughs> well, you know, she got distracted by a new shiny thing there, didn't she? Um, but Tony was uh, the, the example of what you wanted with this belt because she went around and defended it. And you got a host of different, even even when you look at the Japanese wrestlers who were representing Japan specifically, who defended the belt, they didn't defend it against that many people. You know, EO only defended it three times. Mayu defended it three times. Utami defended it three times, I believe, as well. And it was all kind of insulated, whereas Tony Storm is literally the person who went around and defended it. She defended it in the UK. She defended in Taiwan against B. Priestley, and she defended it twice in the US. And this was when she was doing that awkward kind of, she was going around the world, not always defending this belt, but the belt was represented around the world in the many shows she was doing alongside the world wondering stardom red belt the the world of stardom championship which is another interesting facet of this championship's history is how intricately tied it is into multiple championship runs for a single wrestler yeah yeah and i think that is interesting let me rephrase it is maybe an important part of this title history because i think in many ways it shows like the cream of the crop pretty much had the whole Mm. and i think that it adds to the legacy of the title so arguably that in some ways can hurt the title Mm. even Mm. you know i think that's that is something that you know they only had nine champions but History wise, if you look at all the champions who held the belt, they're some of the biggest names in wrestling today. Yeah. And I think that's crucial to the title success. Yeah. Well, I mean, you just have to look at the people who held the belt. Who has gone on to hold the top championships? Io Shirai was the red belt champion when she won the SWA title. Tony Storm won the red belt championship. Viper didn't, but she was constantly like an upper mid carder for stardom. She's gone on to have obviously a, a pretty decent career with WWE, all things considered, and was one of the indie wrestlers that kind of held a lot of top championships. She was a four-time champion when she held the title. You had Utami Hayashida, young Utami. She would go on to win the red belt. Jamie Hayter goes on to win the AEW World Championship. B Priestley would go on to win the World of Stardom Championship. Shuri, World of Stardom Champion. Tekla is probably the weakest wrestler on this list. And then you go on to Mayu Itani, who you know, has held just about every championship stardom could possibly throw at her multiple times. Um, 
the legacy of the champions is incredibly strong and it's almost at a disadvantage because it made it so difficult to work out where the championship would go. Yes. And, like, you look at Tekla's reign and I think in many ways that level is kind of maybe where the championship should have been at. Mm-hmm. But when you've got such a legacy of top champions that holding and defending it, it felt like such a drop, even though yeah. it was maybe better suited for that role. And I think that's kind of where my thoughts on the SWA today go, mm. is that that is a belt that if Stardom were to have another belt in its ecosystem, lo- local ecosystem, not this IWGP and strong belts that are like, here and then not and you know you know like not counting those mm. the perfect scenario for stardom is to have a belt that the likes of a tecla can hold the likes of a saki kashima for the longest time could hold right you know she's high speed champion now but mm. she was a prime candidate for that it it I don't like putting like mid card on the thing. I don't like putting that because it's like, I think that hurts them, but like an opportunity for wrestlers to showcase themselves. And even with like the future belt, that's only for so few people, mm-hmm. high speed belt, that's for so few people. All the belts, all the singles titles are for a very specific group. Yeah. And I think there is an opening that the SWA could have been. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I can't be upset with them making the belt so established either. Yeah. Because that's what they did in the end. They really established that belt. We'll talk a little bit about Shuri's reign that, in my opinion, really just brought that belt to a whole height that I don't I don't think like I, I think if we look at it that way, it's like that's the best reign. And mm-hmm. it's because it was almost like cheating in a way because <laughs> she was the only person that could hold it during that time yeah yeah the, the shuri reign is such a fascinating case study with this championship you know you can argue tony obviously had the longest reign the biggest reign but it's so hard to judge because it's so difficult to watch the reign you know a lot of these a lot of the matches outside of the stardom centric shows mm-hmm. are not available for us to watch Whereas all of Shuri's reign is, you know, all of the modern championship reigns, basically since 2018, the belt had only been defended in Japan until Mayo Watani's defense at New Japan Rumble on 44th Street. All the outside of, you know, Japan non-stardom related shows aren't available to watch now on Stardom World. It's very difficult to actually go back and watch a lot of these early reigns. So Shuri is kind of the great example of, okay, this is the best reign that we can kind of look at. Um, the other thing, like when you're talking about the status of the belt, where if it was quite unquote in the mid card, maybe would be more beneficial. As you look at the talent stardom typically brought in from abroad, that is kind of the level they are typically at. Obviously, starting with an Io Shirai makes sense. And if the initial idea of the belt was you had a touring champion, it makes sense for stardom to put the belt on, say, Io Shirai, if they had intentions of her to go to Europe for a couple of weeks and go to America for a couple of weeks and defend the belt. Kind of, again, what Tony Storm was doing for a long time in her sort of role as a wandering champion. Um, but if you're looking at, like, once the belt kind of stayed within the stardom borders, you, like, you look at Itami's reign where she's defending against the likes of Bobby Tyler, Rebel Kel, and Zoe Lucas. 
they're not wrestlers you necessarily see holding belts that were held with the and no disrespect to them, but they're not going to be holding belts that were held by the same people as Prime Io Shirai, Prime Tony Storm, that kind of thing. <laughs> but if it is a mid card level belt, suddenly those kind of touring wrestlers become a lot more viable. Even looking yeah. at 2023, Mariah May would have been a fantastic champion situation. Xena could have come in and been a viable challenger. Um, Jesse as well, kind of at that mid-card level. But if they're expected to reach Shuri levels, it's asking an awful lot for them. It is. You know, it, it is. And when I, when I watch some of these matches back because i've watched some of the swa matches with the uh international talent mm. it really is night and day because then you watch the shuri rain it's like this is uh this is an unfair comparison <laughs> um but but i do think that when jamie Hayter won the belt that was maybe the shift mm-hmm. you know maybe the shift to not not saying not saying jamie was like I think Jamie was going to be huge in stardom had COVID not sent her away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, she signed to AEW and stuff like that. I think that goes without a doubt. She was a star in the making. Mm. But I do think, like, her beating Utami could have been, and even Utami at that time, you know, she wasn't, she wasn't EO, you know, she no. wasn't Tony even at that, like, they both were, EO was world champion. Tony would go on very quickly to win the title. Utami still took some time from having it. So I almost think like it was going into that direction. And then mm. things had to change once she lost it, right? You put it on B, who had already been World of Stardom champion when she got it. Then you change it over to Shuri because B didn't leave that soon after. It was like she, it was, she it won was the like Artist of Stardom ago. Championship, I think, yeah. the day before or the day after she dropped this belt. So she right. was still about six months before she would, six to eight months before she'd leave yeah. the company. I'm sure they had an idea, though. Yeah. Yeah. They probably were aware, like, maybe she's got one foot out the yeah. door. And also, yeah. they probably looked at Shuri as someone that they wanted to consistently have in these kind of roles because sure. the SWA belt set her up for the red belt in terms of. Yeah establishing and i I wish i had looked this up but i know shuri like officially signed full-time not it wasn't that late but it was like a little towards then a little Mm -hmm. more towards then because she had started coming in being part of ddm then she signed full-time and i'm sure that was part of it too they're like yes it's time to get her a a title that will work for us, you know, give Mm, her a big mm. reign and take advantage of what is a bad situation with COVID where we can't bring in other talent, put it on her because of her roots. And it ultimately with Shuri becomes like one of the most highly anticipated belts when she defends it. Mm, Like, mm. Like anytime she defends it, it's like, Oh, here we go. And I don't know if I could say the title ever had that feeling until Shuri had it. And that's my personal opinion. I've watched, yes, EO had it. Um, but like, like we said, a lot of the champions weren't defending against, you know, I think, I think the list for Shuri is in my, it goes Julia in a double title match. Momo Watanabe, Azumi, Konami, Unagi, Saki Kashima, which is one of the most popular matches of 2021 in Japan. 
Uh, I like to bring that up. Konami again. And then ultimately, no one remembers this. It was on the line in the year-end final match between her and Utami. So mm, it's like yeah. that was a difference maker. And it was almost like after all that, <laughs> where does the title go? You know? It, it by the end of twenty twenty strength that this championship, when she held it, was the most predictable title possibly ever in Stardom's history, because of the con- because of the restrictions of COVID. All of those contenders, all of who were Japanese, unless you wanted to again twist the rules with Julia, who obviously kind of had her own thing going at that time. You're, if you put the belt on any of those Japanese wrestlers, you would have immediately stumbled into the same issue they had at the start of the pandemic with who can we put the belt on without changing the core rule of this championship despite the fact and then obviously towards the end of the the championship reign she was putting the briefcase on the line to for the main event spot so it became even more predictable because they weren't shying away from tami shuri despite the predictability this title had prestige unlike any previous reign in my opinion and had that excitement surrounding and i do agree i don't think the championship had the same level of excitement because it always did feel like a main event champion belt at a tertiary level because Mm -hmm. it wasn't bigger than the red belt it wasn't bigger than the white belt so whenever that championship was being defended it was typically the third biggest singles title yeah surely kind of made it feel important in spite of that it almost felt like a busy title, mm. you know, like yeah. when, especially when Mayu had it at the, at the end, it felt like it was going to be again, a busy title for someone, but they, she just didn't have challengers, uh, but she did get to bring it back internationally at least, which ultimately for the title's history, if that ends up being the final defense ever, it's, it's in the right mindset of what it was supposed to do. I am glad it got one more international showing before it got hung up in Hiroshima. Um, it is, but I, that's the thing, like the Mayu Iwatani situation is kind of what a lot of people remember this championship for, unfortunately, which is towards the end of its run, it kept getting vacated. Obviously, in 2020, it got vacated by Jamie Hayter because very legitimately, COVID hit. She couldn't get back in the country, and nor could pretty much any foreigners. B Priestley being there at all was quite fortunate, if we're being honest. Then Shuri holds the title, holds it for a good amount of time, and vacates it because she's already a double champion. Not that that would last that much longer. Um, She dropped the tag belts as well pretty much straight away, but she had the red belt. That was her focus. And kind of her dropping it was arguably good because otherwise you would have fallen into the same situation when EO had both championships and Tony had both championships. Like, what do you do with that SWA belt? Um, Then Tekla held it, Mayu beat her, and Mayu then vacated it not that long after, after only a couple of defences. Not because she had another championship to defend, but because she was hoping to have another championship to defend. And unfortunately, I think the belt really did suffer, not just because they also had to chuck Fukigan Def in as a championship defence and you know, she was listed as being from another planet, which isn't Japan, um, but the identity of the belt, like if a belt gets vacated twice in one year because the champion wanted to focus on other championships, 
And one of those people didn't even then go on to win the championship. She was focused on at that point. It's very difficult to bring that belt back and make it feel important, especially to the level it yeah. was. Yeah. And and that's, that is why I think rebuilding it, if you were ever to bring it back, would be the direction to go. Hmm. Um, you'd have to change the name a little bit. I think SWA championship is fine without the undisputed woman world woman. You know, it's like SWA because you, then you, you can still keep that tag, the Stardom yeah. World Association, stuff like that. It, it's it, almost that, that acronym is the never belt for stardom. No one actually cares what the acronym is. It's just this. See, I was even going to say it's more like the New Japan World because Stardom World, you know, that's their streaming service. So it's mm-hmm. like it's kind of a broken way to make it work, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but I will say, we say how it, it lost its I. I won't say identity, but it lost any of its luster really towards the end, which is a shame because I think it got to the peak of its luster with Shuri a year mm. before it disappeared. Um, I do want to kind of talk about like some of, some of my favorite moments with the belt, you For know, sure. because I, I I think you perfectly hit it on the head. Like anyone that may be listening to this is probably like, oh, that belt was nothing, you know. Especially if you're a recent Stardom fan, you came yeah. on over the past year, you. Uh, what did you see one defense and then she dropped it yeah she uh, she ended up getting rid of it in uh, november she had she defended one more in october for the halloween event so yeah you know it from one defense and then maya's like yeah i don't want the same more i will instantly my i think i think my favorite match for this belt was the first shuri azumi match because mm-hmm. it was part of the double header with Shuri Nazami and then Julia and Starlight Kid pre- prior to Starlight Kid uh, joining Oedo Tai. I just remember that show being phenomenal, unbelievable. Like, and Azami and Shuri just have such amazing chemistry. But that ready for a career in behavioral health earn your online degree at herzing university choose from health and human services psychology or social work programs gain the skills to work coordinate and manage nonprofits. secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online masters of social work let us help you become a social change agent your future starts now at herzing university text health to 85109 that's health to 85109 or visit herzing.edu match felt like the point of the belt yeah that it could have been because azami at that time sorry for hitting my mic if you heard that uh but azami at that time she was primed for like a mid-car belt yes she was only 18 but she's an eight what what was she uh she was seven year veteran coming on seven year veteran by then uh math is not happening today sorry folks uh but yeah she was a seven year veteran at that time so it's like that's what that belt's for. Yes, you have the Teclas, you have the Momokogos, but you also have the young future stars that can mm. win that. And that felt like the perfect opportunity. And I was going to be getting to do, go for it again at the end of the year because she beat Shuri in the five-star was perfect. 
it really lifted up Azumi at that point. Uh, yeah. You know, she was someone, uh, long-term fans were really excited about where she would go on to, you know, what, what her sort of uh, peak could be. And that getting that opportunity, because she hasn't had a World of Stardom Championship match, I don't think she's challenged for the white belt either. Um, the SWA belt was kind of her chance to really prove she belonged at that level. And those matches with Shuri definitely, to me, proved that she can wrestle on that kind of level going forward. Yeah, and that's, again, why I credit a lot of what Shuri did, because... Like I said, she defended against Konami, who at that time did fit that bill that mm-hmm. I'm explaining. Unagi, obviously. Yeah. Saki Kashima wasn't even supposed to happen, but it did. And it was very again, it worked it worked out really well all around. Um in terms of like the reigns prior to Shuri, because I think we have to kind of get back to the roots of the belt mm-hmm. itself. Um do you think EO or not EO? Do you think Tony had the best reign? Um, I think in, if you're talking about the value of the belt and what the belt was meant to be, yes. Because I thought she had a really good range of opponents from international talent coming into stardom, international talent from outside of stardom, Japanese talent within stardom. I think her the, the idea of the belt kind of came together the best with Tony Storm. And there's some really good matches in there as well, like her match with Viper where she lost the belt. That's a really fun match. You know, it's on the Stardom Dream Slam in Kurokan show. I'm a little bit biased because I was there in person for that show. That okay, was that was the main, you know, that was the main singles match at it. But it was a really fun match that kind of highlighted, you know, the diversity of the belt. It was an Australian slash UK wrestler defending the title against a Scottish wrestler in a Japanese ring. Like, it sort of ties together the world alliance aspect of the title, which... And, and yeah, I, all the other champions I felt Vipers was pretty decent. Um, Eos didn't, re- I don't think, had enough time to get off the ground. Utami's was probably, for me, it was flavored by the fact that this was right in the middle of her super rookie push. And you kind of not stomach it, but people hadn't been won over yet by Utami being pushed to the level she was being pushed at. Um, I think maybe going back and watching that reign, you'd have different opinions on it. But I was a bit like, ah, oh, another championship for Utami. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so and then you had Jamie win it, didn't really get to defend it. But you wanted think you'd be saying that, oh, another title for Utami. I know, right? Um, but at the time, <laughs> that's kind of what it felt like because, yeah, yeah, she was a quadruple champion in her first year in wrestling. Mm. Um, but that was the last sort of reign that really had a chance to do anything before Shuri. So, yeah, I would say Tony probably had the best reign prior. Yeah, for anyone that's wondering who did Shuri defend against, it wasn't really any Japanese talent, um, which I do find maybe the most interesting. Uh, so we had Shoshibirio Shirai mm-hmm. for the belt. Then she defended against Shana, Blue Nikita, Jetta, Viper, Diana Perrazzo, Shayna Baszler, Jungle Kiona, so we got one, uh, La Rosa Negra, Jessica Havoc, Zaya Brookside, Mandy Leone, Bea Priestley, Shotzi Blackheart, Dust, Miranda, and then losing it to Viper. So a lot of names that you hear now. Mm. Uh, but I, I do think it's interesting, you know, because so many of these defenses did happen in Japan. Mm. 
and Tony obviously could defend against a lot of Japanese talent. But I think at that time, what year was this? Twenty seventeen. Yeah, the, their roster was in such an interesting spot that it does make sense as to why they went more with the international versus international rather than the national. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was sort of, a, it was an interesting kind of use of the championship. Um, and I think, yeah, maybe establish what could have been moving forward. Like if you had other sort of champions that could have done what Tony did. Uh, but the problem is you've kind of got to, for, for Tony to kind of go around the world, yeah, she defended in American companies that weren't attached to the Stardom World Association. She defended it in BEW. You kind of needed someone who was a freelancer that you could trust enough to come back with the belt. And look, yeah. unfortunately, you can't necessarily trust every wrestler who walks through those doors. Um, Tony was a very unique case and earned the trust of the Stardom management. And the Stardom management repaid her in kind, if we're being honest. Yeah, for, for sure. And I think Tony, again, Tony off, Tony is someone who comes up a lot still in mm. stardom wrestlers. You know, anytime they think of like, oh, who would you like to wrestle from overseas? I think she's always the number one name that comes out of their mouth, which Absolutely. again speaks to what she accomplished. Mm. Um, it goes to the SWA, you know, it goes to the world title and what she's done. Um and it, it's a credit to her for being such a positive foreign wrestler for a lot of uh, her run. I, mm. I, you know, I know people have the complaints about how the world title reign went. And again, that wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. We, we've talked about that in detail um, a few episodes back. Uh, but I do, I do think that, you know, you look at this SWA title reign and you, you think about it that way in that I think that helped really pave a way for her and the the amount Stardom's roster even now appreciates her, but also um, where she's ended up going, you know? Yeah. She has the benefit of being the wrestler that if anyone was training and coming up in Stardom around that time, she was kind of the foreigner, the wrestler to kind of connect with if you wanted that international connection. And for the wrestlers who are coming through now, she's one of the main faces on one of the biggest wrestling companies in the world, in AEW. You know, that's she's got that, I don't want to say generational connection because that makes it sound like she's been doing this for 30 years kind of thing, but that mini generational aspect of connecting with multiple uh, years of wrestlers within yeah. stardom. Which is really cool to see. And, you know, Julia is sort of mentioning challenging Tony Storm. That's not because she came up in the Stardom Dojo when Tony Storm was there. It's because she sees what Tony's doing now in America and thinks, hey, I've got a championship. It'd be fun to defend against her. Yeah, the, the history goes well for her. Um, yeah. And- to me, the, the two champions you think of with this title is Tony Storm and Shuri. Yeah. Um, and the Shuri thing is so fascinating because they were restricted and they lent on the fact that she had the uh, Malaysian heritage through her mother. She wasn't born in Malaysia. It literally had to be, you know, I am part Filipino through my mother. And I think it's worth also mentioning, I think that's where the value in her reign came through so much is because she wasn't just defending it because, hey, I'm from you know, a different country, you're from a different country, let's fight. She was kind of wanting to represent her heritage and her family. And really she took that quite strongly on board with her gimmick and character around that time, which made it feel like she cared about the title, which I think was maybe the 
biggest struggle the belt had at times was does the champion really care about it when they have three other championships, including the world title in a company? Sure, he did care. You know, it felt like she wanted to make that belt mean something because she was fighting for her mother each and every time. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. And I, I, I look back to that, that title, um, you know, before it went extinct, uh, and, and looking at when Tekla got it, I remember that having a lot of potential because, mm. again, it works to what I said. She defended it. She, so she beats me and she Kyle for it, which is crazy to think about now. Um, <laughs> then she, def- she def- uh, defends it against Saki Kashima, Ruaka. Like, she was doing all these smaller mm. defenses. And, again, it was on the right track of what I wanted to do. And then, you know, you walk into Mayu Yutani and there's no hope. There's no prayer for her to win, but that's besides the point. I remember uh, when that match was booked, everyone was like, Tekla's not winning this. What's going on? Because, you know, they were going to run into the same issue they were, would have had with Mayu winning the belt was who's she going to defend against? And we saw that was an issue once she won the belt. Her first defense was against an alien. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah, Tekla was not at the level where she was going to beat Mayu. And the defense that she was having was, yeah, that sort of lower to mid-card matches. She was defending the title not on the big pay-per-views as main events, but she'd kind of defend on a, a weekend show in a main event, kind of just to prop up that show, like a Kyoto KBS Hall, which is not a bad idea for a belt, like to make these sort mm-hmm. of just quote-unquote house shows have a little bit more oomph to them. Um, yeah. Again, it, it's to the – if anyone follows New Japan – um, it is to the idea of what the New Japan World TV title was pre- originally presented as mm-hmm. before they kind of went off with that idea automatically. Because the idea of that was to defend it in towns that may not get big matches like that. Yeah, And I think they're, if I'm not mistaken, I think they are going back to that soon, actually, in their next defense. But I think the SWA, if it were to come back, it would work really well in doing that because mm. it kind of plays to the idea of not internationally, but kind of like a roaming title in a lot yeah. of ways. You put yeah. that on a random card in, I don't know, I, I, I couldn't name a place. So that was, that was Nagata great. Or Fukuoka. Yeah. 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 It, it, it works. It works to your advantage because then, then stardom or then, you know, these crowds get something special, even if it's mm. not that big of a defense. Um, I want to I, I ask you, do you do you know what Mayu's last defense was? Without, like, looking up the list, yeah. which I could easily do and pretend yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. not, I don't remember. Because I know there was one defense after uh, Kalein King in the New yeah. Japan show. So she retired it. After successfully defending it against drumroll, please, and it was in Hiroshima, uh, which is very timely because they just had mm-hmm. a show in Hiroshima. It was against Alpha Female. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that yeah rings about, and she was part of the original nine woman tournament in Spain, which is a fun kind of way to bring that belt full circle. If you're wondering, Alpha Female has wrestled since then, <laughs> barely, but she has. <laughs> Uh, yeah. She actually just fought um, Shauna, who had challenged for hmm. the SWA. Look at that. Full circle. It uh, all comes together. It all comes together. But 
I just wanted to toss that out there because the last match did go on, did go down between two former World Storm champions. Yeah. And yeah, yeah it's we're sort of been talking about this championship and the sort of level it's at and you know, oh it'd be nice if they it could have served the kind of mid card belt purpose, but it was represented by top champions. And now we kind of find ourselves repeating the situation with the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. This yeah. is a belt that kind of got brought in as the second New Japan belt being represented partially with... Style. I don't even think... They don't even use New Japan in the title. Have you realized that? I, they always I haven't. Call it, they always call it the Strong Women's title. Okay. I have... I, 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 because I was looking at something, because I was like, do I write New Japan when I'm, you know, writing results or yeah. whatever? They don't use the New Japan part of it. Okay. Which I find now, interesting. To, to me, I thought you'd do that, especially because of the connection with the New Japan America shows. Um, yep. But what do I know? Uh, and that's, yeah, kind of, an, that belt's got a fascinating mini history. And I think years down the road, serve for a wonderful episode of Stardom Road. It gets brought in, everyone expects Mercedes Monet is winning the belt. So right away, it's a belt that kind of feels pretty high in importance. Mercedes gets injured in the mini tournament, Willow Nightingale wins, then Julie goes on and beats her for the title. And now it's kind of, in many ways, serving a similar purpose to what the SWA belt could have been. It'll get defended on stardom shows, as we saw as a recording, as of the release of this episode, the weekend prior against Reese Sarah. She'll go to America and defend the belt. You know, she's defended it against American wrestlers, potentially defending it against Mexican wrestlers in Stephanie Vakir moving forward as well. And it feels like Julia really wants to make this belt that kind of championship, one that can kind of get defended anywhere, be it in Japan, be it outside of Japan. And it, to me, it is serving as a SWA 2.0 belt. More so than the IWGP women's belt was ever going to kind of fit the shoes of. Yeah. The IWGP kind of, name wasn't going to allow that. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it demands a different level of expectation and prestige. But yeah, the SWA belt kind of feels like it's now evolved into the strong women's championship and kind of is freed up because it doesn't have to be. I love the, the, in theory, the idea of you've got to defend against someone from a different country. I love that theory. In practicality, it just became too restrictive. But if it's a championship that you tend to book around uh, Japanese versus foreigner wrestlers in America, wherever it gets defended, I think that's kind of fills that gap that was you're missing with the SWA belt now. Even so, right? I, I think... I do think it has somewhat accomplished that, and I'll say that in that even though not everyone's a foreign wrestler, for example, Willow versus Mercedes, that was, you know, company versus company, mm -hmm. uh, you know, at the time, New Japan versus AEW. Uh, Mercedes, of course, going to win, but that didn't happen. Then it was Willow versus Emi Sakura. Again, there is kind of that theme to it. Uh, Willow versus Rachel Ellering on Ring of Honor. So instead of that, it's in a different show. So it kind of mm. gives a little flexibility. Then Willow goes to Japan to defend it against Julia. Julia on a New Japan so, show. On a New Japan show. Julia has so far defended against you, who's a mm -hmm. outside talent. 
Uh, Deanna Prado, Giselle Jean, Momo Kogo at a Impact New Japan show. And most recently, Risa Sarah, again, an outside talent. So they are really doing all the right things, mm. I think, of what it had they brought back the SWA, kind of, which would have been right, plus the idea of maybe more of a non Julia presence holding it. But, you know, nonetheless, it's a way to establish the belt. And I think, assuming Mercedes was going to win it, Julia was the perfect pivot to yes. give it this um, this type of reign. Yeah, it's. I'm wondering if we can petition for them to take the Strong Women's Championship and have Julia put it down next to the SWA title and just accidentally pick up the SWA belt and just pretend that's the New Japan Strong Women's Championship. Yeah, we could call it the Strong Women's... Eh. Alliance, <laughs> alliance. Uh, I don't know. It's a nicer belt, but you know, it's fine. It's it's, it's something to think about, anyways. But it is. It's kind of nice. To, we're t- talking about the SWA belt, and we're kind of seeing the two version in the Strong Women's Championship. For those who kind of wondered what that what it was like watching the SWA belt, you're kind of getting that now with the SWA Championship. Sometimes strong, it'll make event shows. Strong, sometimes strong. it'll be you know, second or third from the top of the card. Sometimes it'll be defended elsewhere against different talent. Like, that's the legacy of this WA belt lives on, just in a different form and function. Yeah, Mayu Tani, duh. The forever champion. <laughs> <laughs> forever champion. She should have just kept it. Be like, you I know mean, what? IWGP's a prop. SWA could be a prop, too. At least the IWGP looks... And the SWA looked used. She had two of the most beautiful belts in wrestling on her shoulders. Just when she's know. not dropping those champ, she has trouble holding onto one title without forgetting to bring it out or dropping it. With yeah. two belts, she damaged. Yeah. Uh, it's going to end up looking like the IWGP IC see, title see, by the end of it. See, the- people thought the Saki Kashima drop was an accident. No, nah, no, nah, that was definitely on purpose. <laughs> you know, she pretty much told her she was going to destroy her after being like, "Oh yeah, we're partnering up." <laughs> <laughs> yeah we're partnering up but um but uh yeah i mean again looking at this title and its history um there's a lot of what if to it mm. especially with the many 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 vacates of the title um but there's also a great idea to the belt as well that i think stardom rossi and company they were definitely on to something with it and i'd love to see it and i guess we are with the strong but almost that idea be re brought back to attention in that kind of setup way mm-hmm. with new relationships and stuff like that i don't want the restricted rules because i do think that just it's hard to work around that but we have the strong women's title to give us that at least. Uh, so I will appreciate that. It speaks to the legacy of the belt that you've got such a mix of people being like, it doesn't need to be brought back and people who do yearn for it. Because like whenever it kind of gets brought up, you see people, especially like when Tekla was calling for it. And now that we do have you know regular foreigners coming in, whether they're doing long tours like Mariah May, whether they're doing short tours, you do have that foreign influence on the company again. And when that happens, inevitably people are sort of saying, gee, it'd be nice to see the SWA belt brought back. 
Now, whether it has a place in modern-day stardom, I would say no. But people aren't yearning for a belt that meant absolutely nothing. They're, they're yearning, you know, you don't do that. You're looking at a belt and you think, I enjoyed what it represented, what it brought to the table. It would be nice to have that again now. Which, given the messy history it had, given the multiple vacations and just kind of awkward aspects to it, I think speaks to how the belt did end up getting presented. Yeah, and it would have been... Yeah, yeah. I don't even even have the word. I had something in my brain. It fell out. But I I think you nailed it, and I think... Had had it been around, Mariah May was perfect for it. Uh, you know, big Mariah May Tekla matchup was one I was asking mm-hmm. for. Um, I think it would have been like the ideal matchup to bring that belt back had they wanted to. Uh, you know, we learned quickly with the strong women's title. Maybe that was the right choice not to bring it back. How many belts yeah. do you want doing so, especially now that they use the strong belt on their shows? Mm. Um but there are people in history of stardom that could have and should have maybe held that belt. Um, and, and even Jamie, for example. Uh, Mariah May will go down as one. Um, Tekla getting a longer reign, maybe, mm-hmm. is a conversation you could have had at the time. I mean, and even now, Megan Bain, she would have been yeah. a very interesting challenger because she came in and challenged right away for the World of Stardom Championship yep. and looked like she belonged in that match. Yeah. Know? She would have been great off the rip, reason mm-hmm. like you, mm-hmm. you know, say say Mariah had had it or something, and then you kind of bring in Megan and she goes on because she's still dominant. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. not like you know, it's not like she's uh, not doing anything. She's just winning. Um, and whoever ultimately would have taken her down, maybe that would have been an even better story. But it worked out for Tam very well because you know mm. they they established her very quickly. But there will be a lot more foreigners, I'm sure, in the next couple of years where like, oh, that would have been a you know, great SWA yeah. champion. It's always well, going to be built that gets brought up when a foreigner comes in and is exciting. Yeah, When you get a Mariah May-level talent, people want to see them rewarded and succeed. Yeah. And they're not always going to get a, even a brief Goddess of Stardom yeah. tag run like Mariah did. Yeah, Mariah May reign would have worked perfectly because it's she's someone that people want to see have these matches. Hmm. Um Maybe we'll maybe we're willing the belt into existence. Maybe, maybe by the time you hear this, it's back. And if so, you're welcome. If not, forget I said anything. Um, I will ask you. I, I don't know if I, without cheating, is there like a match that with the SWA title on the line that you think people should go out of their way to see that isn't the Utami Shuri one that yeah. <laughs> we don't really count? You know. <laughs> I mean, I think. The Io Shirai and Tony Storm, whenever they come against each other, is always going to be worth watching. Um, and, you know, they, that's A, how the belt came into being and then how the belt first got changed hands. Um, again, any of the Shuri matches really you can point to, um, not just the Shuri Utami. There's a lot of quality there. Azumi was Cheer. already mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Julia as well. Um, but I guess the other match I'm going to mention is Utami versus... Uh, Jamie Hayter. That mm. was a really good match that put the belt on Jamie. Uh, it was a fun match, and like at the end of it, people were really excited for what was, unfortunately, we never got to see, but what was going to be. 
Yeah, I, I often talk to people about that, and that that, that felt like it was going to be like, and we, I talked about this earlier, but a launching point for Jamie. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, a f- unfortunate, uh, she didn't get it, and you know, there's probably a list and list of who could have had it and who should have had it, and other matches that should have happened maybe with it on the line. I think that's also. Um, a conversation, but the title did have a great history. Like we said, Io Shirai, Tony Storm, Viper, Tommy Hayashida, Jamie Hayter, Bea Priestley, Shuri, Tekla, Mayu Iwatani. Tell it's a hell of a legacy. Mm. The belt has. I'd love the belt to come back just so Tekla can have it again, truthfully. <laughs> um, or just like you know, we keep sending spot a web alliance belt. We keep sending the Mobo Kogo places. Why don't we just give it to her and she go defend? <laughs> she go defend it somewhere, you know. Um, she she, she, she she rocks out whenever she's outside the country. Oh so. my god, it's so funny. Anytime she's not in star, and people are like, wow, she's like the best wrestler in this match. I'm like, yeah, that's <laughs> stardom's roster for you. Yeah. It's, like, it's, it's not fair, you know. Um, but yeah, any any final thoughts about the SWA uh undisputed women's nope, sorry, let me redo that. SWA undisputed world women's championship. Now you gotta say that, including the SWA being spread out beyond just the acronym. All right, give me one second. The Stardom World Association Undisputed World Women's Championship. This is why we have acronyms, people. Um, (laughs) I think the one thing I'm going to say is whether you want the belt to come back or not, I think what it endeavoured to do is so important and Mm. sort of represents the future of what the wrestling industry was going to do, spreading out, reopening those doors because... For a long time, the real forbidden of, door. That's what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. For a long time, a lot of <laughs> promotions were very insular. You know, they, yeah. they did their thing and then you did your thing over there. But in the past couple of years, we've seen all these promotions open their forbidden doors to everyone else. And the SWA concept kind of was that in a prototype form. And I'm glad now in 2023 and hopefully beyond, we're seeing that more and more. I will also say, Everyone should watch the uh, Mayu versus Kylan King match because I thought that was pretty good. And again, return to the roots of the match itself. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to go check that out, I'm sure it's on like New Japan World or something ridiculous. Yeah. I have no it's idea. Not where on you... Stardom World, but it is on New Japan. Obviously. Yeah, I was gonna say I have no idea where you could probably go on that. I'm gonna guess it's on Stardom World. Uh, nope, New Japan World. See, yeah. see, I'm, I, I I talk about Stardom. I'm talking about New Japan. So uh, that's that's that's. I'm not blaming myself. Um, this isn't Tanahashi Road. No, no, that'd be fun, uh, but no, it's not. Um, and I and I will say, you know, looking back ultimately at this title, it did a lot of good things. It did a lot of right things. It had the right idea. The idea behind it was great. And I think if you were to represent that with specific promotions, it uh, it could do even better now. Uh, mm. It's asking a lot, obviously, but listen, the, the the belt the belt was a victim to the times, and the times were in many ways COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like that's that I think that ended it more than anything else. Yeah. Um, and I think you re if they ever wanted to revamp it, it would be a fun way to do it, but we have it in a 2.0 version in a purple belt that was built for Mercedes Monet. So I guess I guess that's I guess that's just as good, right? But maybe Mercedes can win the SWA belt when it's all said and done. Yeah, she can come and win the belt and that sort of solves everything. Maybe someone should just like 
you know, tag her on Twitter, be like at Mercedes, and just be like, hey, do you like this belt? It looks pretty <laughs> cool, huh? You can have this one. Maybe that's our maybe that's our chance to get it back. And then Maya will sit and go, hang on, didn't I hold that belt last and I beat you once already? Yeah, she'll be like, let me I'll win that back and then I'll retire it again. Oh, Mayu, are you turning heel on us? Uh, but she's been all right. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's it for the SWA episode. We hit an hour. I was admittedly a little uh off there, but I'm very tired. So I apologize, everyone. That's why that's why Trent's here to uh, lead the way most of the time, thankfully. Uh, next episode, we'll be back. Trent, would you like to uh let the people know? Yeah, so we're going back to uh, the wrestler-specific episodes. We're sort of touching on that. And, you know, we've done a few different wrestlers in the past. Uh, Hana Kimura, Risa Hoshiki, we did do one on Himika as well. We're going, I want to say, back to one of our original, like when we were starting this podcast, this is the kind of episode we wanted to do. Uh, and we're going to be doing a retrospective look at one of my favourite low-key wrestlers wasn't a main eventer but meant so much to the company around the time i was watching and that is the incom- incomparable chris wolf Woo! i'm looking forward to that one uh, should be a lot of fun it'll be only only one yeah we're just going to keep that one short and compact yeah like it'll her be, it'll be a lot of fun it'll be a lot of fun then um we have a busy october coming up and mm-hmm. then we'll hopefully b- give you a nice big uh, wrestler-directed couple episodes after that. So check it out. Keep an eye out. All that good stuff. Trent, where can the people find you? So you can find me on the website, formerly known as Twitter, at OneUpCulture. Um, I recently released an article on Unagi Sayaka, who did wrestle once for the SWA Championship. There's your connection. Um, and, of course, if you like us, you can listen to the Ocean Cyclone Show. We also recently dropped a new episode, that, the debate episode. Check that out on the Wrestling Podcast Network. You made me laugh. I don't know why. I was like, <laughs> if you really like us, if you don't, thanks for listening anyways. I mean, you've made it an hour plus listening to us. And if you Talk want to listen. the SWA. This yeah. is like, I don't know, my weakest episode <laughs> on a personal basis. So, thank you for, thank you for uh, tuning in and listening to us talk about a belt that doesn't exist anymore. Um, you know, we had to we had to introduce the belt series. So, like when we mm. get into every other belt in Stardom's history, we can't make it this quick. this one works as a single episode to touch on everything but you best believe when we do the world of stardom championship that's that's a multi-parter yeah it's a 75 episode series talking about eo shirai's never-ending reign and (laughs) all that (laughs) um but yeah you can follow me at scotty wrestling on twitter slash x if you call it x that's your problem um i don't think i have anything <laughs> this you is, this always is, have something. I, yeah, but the five stars made me calm down for the time being. So I just have reviews up on voicewrestling.com. Um, I don't know. Just follow me on Twitter. I tweet a lot. You do a lot. I praise, I don't know. I praise like the same five people. So, <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, Mayu had a big match. Guess who I'm praising? Oh, May Sarah did something. That's most of my tweets now. It's like May Sarah did something crazy. She 
she said, please don't throw me on her tape. I think that's the funniest thing of all time. So <laughs> like that, that is about my Twitter these days. Um, and so, yeah, follow me there. I'm sure I'll have articles. I'm sure there'll be an interview somewhere. But by the time you're listening to this, maybe that's all old. So it doesn't matter. Check out the Ocean Cyclone show. Check out uh, Five Star Josie show over on the Fight Game Media Patreon. I think that's it. Think and that's check it. out everything else on the Count Out Podcast Network, too. Of course. Do that. Ring Post Radio. I have that show on this very mm. network. So you should listen to that. If you want to hear my thoughts about CM Punk getting fired, you can always listen to the most recent episode of that. Um, and so much more. All right. Bye. This has been a Count Out Podcast. Hey, have you guys heard of the new show on the Count Out Network, the Ichiban Sweetcast? It's the brand new New Japan Pro Wrestling Podcast starring the International Wrestling Grand Prix. That's me, your good friend Curtis Spears. And me, your bad friend Rafe Houston. And we're here to talk about everything New Japan Pro Wrestling reacting to everything, getting worked up, getting very happy, sometimes crying. Kind of like like something else we used to do, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was the old uh, Okada Shorts podcast, right? Ah, uh, that's right. And if you love that show, you're going to love this show because it's exactly the same show. Yeah, we just had to change the name. Yeah, we, we did. But you can check it everywhere on a social media handle that we haven't made yet. <laughs> yeah, we're really new to this. So <laughs> what you can do is search on your favorite podcast catcher of choice. Look for... The Ichiban Sweetcast. Sweetcast? Ichiban.